Welcome to the CrocCast, peace studies conversations convened by the Croc Institute for International Peace Studies at the University of Notre Dame. In today's episode, John Paul Lederach, Professor Emeritus of International Peacebuilding, hosts a conversation focused on collective efforts to ensure security in the face of many challenges in the Montes de Maria region of Colombia. Note that this conversation is not connected to the Croc Institute's Peace Accords Matrix and its Barometer Initiative, and the opinions expressed in this episode are those of the individuals themselves. If you want more information on the Barometer Initiative's work to monitor the Colombian Peace Agreement and its implementation, please listen to the previous episodes of the CrocCast or visit peaceaccords.nd.edu barometer. Welcome, everybody. I'm John Paul Lederach, and I'm Professor Emeritus at the University of Notre Dame and the Kroc Institute for International Peace Studies. And I have the honor and privilege today to host a conversation among three people who are deeply concerned about the implementation of the recent peace agreement in Colombia, and in particular, the impact that it has for people living in the territories that have historically been most affected by the armed conflict. And the day-to-day life and security and guarantees for their safety that the accord made promises to uphold, but that have been deeply challenged. And we're looking at those issues from several vantage points today. We are privileged to have two people join us today who are speaking from their experience at the very local level of what it feels like to be in the midst of this process of peace implementation and peace building in Montes de Maria. Geovaldis González Jiménez, a social leader from the community of Camarón in the Alto Montaña de Montes de Maria, has been a spectacular leader in many senses across this movement over a number of decades and years. Juana Alicia Ruiz, a good friend and a social leader of an extraordinary group of women that we often refer to simply as La Tejadoras de Mapuján, the women who stitch and weave and create quilts in the town of Mapuján. They have a movement that carries the longer name of Mapuján Women Weaving Dreams and Flavors of Peace in Montes de Maria in Colombia. And Juana has had long experience in the hard side of the conflict through direct violence and displacement, but has come back with the women that she works with to capture that experience in ways that they have left them in the form of quilts and weavings that give memory to the experience of violence and challenge that they've faced and overcome. Bueno, Angie, yo creo que aquí, eh, bueno, mi nombre es Eovaldi González Jiménez, soy... My name is Eovaldis González Jiménez. I am from the community of Camarón in Montes de Maria, Colombia. I believe that leaders in Monte de Maria are facing challenges today, and this frames the history of Montes de Maria. Today we encounter leaders who are empowered by their territory. We encounter a significant sense of belonging, and most importantly, we encounter a leadership that has deep roots that allows us to confront whatever negative decision emerges in the territory. I believe that the most significant challenge that we have as social leaders in Monte Maria is resistance, 
to resist, to persist, and to continue insisting that the violence, which left only a few years ago, cannot return to our Montes de Maria. Today we encounter wounds, and as leaders in this territory, the major challenge for us is to prevent the concentration of violence in our beautiful territory, to resist this wave of persecution and of terror. In reality, the government has not created concrete actions to put an end to the problem of insecurity, to put an end to displacement, to assassinations, to persecutions, to put an end to the use of false adjudications and incarceration of our leaders. For this reason, sometimes we think that maybe the state institutions want this, because the structure of government is not in accordance with the vision and mission of Montes de Maria. Our vision and mission is woven together with the communitarian-based agriculture of our campesino, black, and indigenous communities who live in the territory. I believe this is one of the reasons that we are facing the difficulties we are experiencing, because we have put in all of the documents, in all of the events, in all of the spaces, our vision and mission. And this has nothing to do with extractivism. This has nothing to do with monocultures, with large extensions of cattle ranching, but it is a vision that goes together with the campesino economy with the protection, conservation, and restoration of our natural environment. Our dry, tropical rainforests that today we encounter on the path to the extinction. The current issue facing our teachers is a struggle that frames the service of leadership. Our teacher were these people who trained themselves, using money from their own pockets in order to bring a good education to our children. Our teachers were the people who struggled in the midst of the violence, in the midst of war, for education. And so, as social processes... We are looking at the national government's recent and terrible decision where through a legal decree they convened a competition where the labor of our teachers was practically massacred. This was a competition only open in the post-conflict zones for teachers who are victims. But our teachers did not have technological support. They did not have internet connection from the territory. And today, what we see is that more than 50% of the teachers that won this competition are not victims, are not from the territory, are not rooted here. This is to say that, the, that they violated the peace accord, where in point one, section 3.22, it speaks of the availability and permanence of the teachers. Instead, the government simply said, these teachers no longer serve our needs and we need to replace them without a single explanation. And this resulted in the displacement of 1,500 teachers in Colombia and more than 500 teachers from Bolivar. What does this say? That today we are returning to the 90s when teachers who came from outside the territory fled the territory because of the violence, they stopped educating our children, and they left the schools unoccupied because of the violence. What did our teachers who are from the territory and who today are being removed from their positions do? Our teachers took on these positions without a single penny, without a salary. They did it for love, for conviction, so that our children would receive an education. And now 15, 20 years later, when our teachers are finally named in the Departmental Secretary of Education, this same Ministry of Education is removing them through this Decree 882. What we are looking for is that our teachers, who are from the territory, be named to these positions as they are, because they have already won these posts through their merits. Because peace is not something that is sent from Bogota to the territories, nor is peace sent from Cartagena to the territories, Peace is built from the territories. For us, social leaders, the only thing we are asking the government is that they give us guarantees so that we can continue to build peace, continue to build this reconciliation, this forgiveness, so that we have the full freedom of expression, the full freedom of visibility, and above all, the full freedom to continue rebuilding the social fabric of our territories. Because it is from here where, where real peace is built. But it turns out that we do not have these guarantees and this is difficult. Even though we are continuing with our work, 
I believe that as social leaders, as communities, we are building this peace. The Montes de Maria that we want is a region that looks at the issue of the environment, a region that looks at the issue of communitarian economy, and that we continue projecting ourselves towards this vision, which does not focus on extractivism, monocultures, or mining. Instead, the vision that we have as a territory focuses on ethnic campesino families who live in the territory because this is who we are. We are not more than this. We are from the countryside. We are from the natural environment. We are people who know how to cultivate the land, and it is from there that we are building peace. This peace that Colombia so deeply desires, that the world desires, we are building it in the face of all these difficulties that are presenting themselves in the territory. My name is Juana Alicia Ruiz. I'm a representative of the group Women Weavers of Mampuján, and I am part of the coalition, the Regional Space for Peacebuilding in Montes de Maria, Colombia. I will read you all a public statement that we worked on together with the 360 community organizations that are part of the Regional Space for Peacebuilding in response to death threats that some of the leaders of Montes de Maria have suffered. We start from the premise that a leader who is escorted by a bodyguard and removed from their territory is a community that is silenced. For this reason, we created a collective proposal that emphasizes that security ought to be created for the territory in general and for the families of people who are threatened. We believe that to provide protection with bodyguards is not a response that satisfies the general needs of leaders in Montes de Maria. And this goes hand in hand with our hope that violence will not return to our territory. To continue giving discrete responses to the threats that social leaders face, like removing them from the territory, giving them a bodyguard, or escorting them in a car, limits community activity, tears the social fabric of the community, and does not resolve the situation. This is not what we are pursuing in Montes de Maria. For this reason, we, those of us from the Regional Space of Peacebuilding, created this collective proposal. First, we believe that it is necessary to approve a general strategy collectively constructed that not only responds to the immediate needs of specific social leaders who are threatened in a particular moment, but that involves instead all of the institutions of the Colombian state to consolidate a plan for collective protection that is aimed at all of the social leaders of Montes de Maria so that we may continue our exemplary work of reconciliation, peace building, and the economic and social growth of our region. Second, we propose a dialogue that we carried out with the Minister of the Interior in 2020, along with the National Attorney General, the Human Rights Ombudsman, and the governors and mayors of Montes de Maria. We requested that this time they listen to us as participants of the space, that we be heard, and only afterwards that the state respond to the questions and concerns that we put forward. Thank God the Attorney General in this moment participated, and it was a dialogue that was open and nourished by the social organizations with commitment from the state. Third, we invite the national government and community organizations and citizens from all over the country to a great national conversation in Montes de Maria that places collective protection of social leaders in territories threatened with violence on the public agenda with seriousness, imagination, and commitment. Fourth, we invite a pilot program that implements a strategy of collective protection for social leaders and their territories in Montes de Maria. The only valid protection for social leaders is that we may walk peacefully through our territory, that we can go out at night, 
and that we can carry out our different social labor, waging on the development of our communities. We cannot give up this freedom. We want to change the bodyguards, the security vehicles, and the state security schemes for more democracy, more citizen participation, more concerted state presence, and more collective work. For Monte Se Maria, a territory of peace and reconciliation, we are working together so that this collective proposal will continue to be implemented. We are continuing in the struggle. Yes, there have been threats. Yes, there have been intimidations and selective assassinations, but we will not give up our belief that Monte de Maria will remain a territory of peace. Thank you. Sin habiendo amenazas, sin habiendo intimidaciones y algunas masacres selectivas, pero no renunciamos a creer que Monte de Maria sigue siendo y seguirá siendo un territorio de paz. We are very privileged to have with us Professor Pablo Abito, who is from the Technological University of Bolívar. And he is a professor of, it's quite a title that Pablo carries because it covers a lot of interesting territory. Uh, he's professor of the new political economy, big history and theories of democracy and development in the Faculty of Social Sciences and Humanities. He's also giving a lot of leadership of the group uh, that focuses on historic memory in the region of Montes de Maria, which in Colombia covers a good portion of the part that touches into the Caribbean area, which has been deeply affected by armed conflict. And we're joined by Maria Lucia Zapata, a graduate of the Kroc Institute and now head of the Department of Political Science at the Javeriana University in Bogota and also focused her research extensively on the issues of conflict transformation with a special emphasis on the territorial or local levels and had a, a lot of work that was done, especially in Montes de Maria. And Angie Lederach, who is teaching currently as an assistant professor at the University of Creighton, completed her primary research on the region of Montes de Maria with a focus on grassroots and combinations of youth initiatives, historic generational peace building across time, and how it links into understandings and visions more holistically of peace building that include the environment and understandings of place around the issues that often are less brought forward in much of the peace building work. So it's a great set of conversation partners we have. I want to start, if I can, with you, Pablo. If you could give us some background and context to how people like yourself who live in the region, coming from a place where armed conflict has so affected many of you at the level of local villages in reference to displacement and to waves of violence that you've experienced, we're now for going on five years past the peace agreement and its implementation. And one of the things that keeps coming up very significantly is the challenge of the protection of social leaders, of people who are involved in movements, of people who historically who have been targeted by violence. And I wonder if you could give us some context of what it feels like to live in this region the challenges that you're seeing right now, 
and some of what you think are keys to addressing these issues as they're experienced in, in your context. Thanks, John Paul, and I thank you all for being here. Thanks for the invitation. Monte de Maria is a natural region in the northern part of Colombia, and between the Magdalena River and the Caribbean Sea, which has a very interesting history. Here in Cartagena, we received the slave trade uh, during the colonial times, and many slaves escaped to these mountains. It has a tradition of, of independence, of resistance, of rebellion, which combines with a campesino movements, peasant movements, who have been struggling for the right to have a piece of land since the 1930s, in the 1940s, very strongly since the 1960s and 70s, and who were the descendants of the indigenous people, of the uh, African slaves who, who managed to escape from the cities in colonial times, and who from the 70s and 80s were violently attacked by uh, big landowners who are also in large part the political and economic elite of these territories. So, so it's a territory which has always had this tension between conflict, rebellion, resistance. In the 1980s, middle of the 1980s, the guerrilla groups started coming from the south of Colombia to this region. Some guerrilla groups emerged within this region in the midst of the peasant struggles, the campesino struggles. And in the mid-90s, the violence was absurdly incremented by the, the paramilitary groups who, by the beginning of the 2000s, were aggregated in this nefarious federation of paramilitary groups, which was the AUC, which was in part uh, with some uh, failures demobilized in 2005 by the government of President Uribe, Vélez. In 2007, the FARC guerrilla was uh, deeply hurt in Montes de Maria. So since 2005-2007, paramilitaries demobilize, although with failures in the demobilization process, the guerrillas retreat, dissolve from the region. And then 10 years later, we have in 2016, the um, agreement of the government, the Colombian government with the FARC, which sets transitional justice and development framework, which gave a lot of hope to the population because it addressed not only DDR processes, but also structural transformations, which people in the territory understood to be the deep roots of the conflict which has plagued the region for so many decades, even for so many centuries. Unfortunately, this agreement was submitted to popular approval by President Santos and popular approval by a very, very 
small margin was negative. And, and that gave root to the political, the electoral instrumentalization of the peace agreement and particularly of the animadversion to the, to the peace agreement by the right, particularly by the new party created by President Uribe to go against the peace agreement, which is the Centro Democratico, and in large part that gave foot to the um, electoral victory of Centro Democratico in 2018, in large part also with the promise to hacer trizas el acuerdo de paz, to break down the peace agreement, yeah. and that has been more or less what has happened. The implementation of the peace agreement since 2018 has been slow, tortuous. There have been attacks from the government to the institutional framework of the transitional justice. And that has been what we have been feeling all this time in Montes de Maria. That transition between lots of violence, the decline of violence, the signature of the peace agreement, hope and then dissolution. And with that dissolution, also the re-emergence of violence. So what we are feeling now in Montes de Maria is fear and also stigmatization of social leaders. And that is at the heart, at the center, all of these threats that uh, social leaders have been receiving, new displacements that have to do with conflicts over land, selective murders, uh, which have to do also with drug dealers organizations that are operating in the, in the territory, gave rise to a, a big regional dialogue that we had last year in Montes de Maria, and in which the Montemariano leaders proposed, let's replace a vision of security, which is militarized, and policy and oriented towards giving anti-bullet gear and cell phones and, and, and cars to one individual leader who has been threatened and which contributes to decay its leadership role in the territory to a collective territorial communitary protection strategy. And there were a series of proposals made by the people of Montes de Maria in those terms. And, and that is what is now going on. People trying to overcome fear and overcome this attack of the peace agreement and the violence that is re-emerging in, in the territory with a new vision based on those resistance and rebellion historical traditions of moving from an individual protection scheme uh, by the government to a more community-level protective scheme by us for all of us. Uh, that's very helpful, Pablo. The, um, the, um, the emergence of violence sounds like it might be violences, almost in plural, that it's coming from multiple sources across the region. And your move to the collective security is really one that's based in a capacity to mobilize communities. Maybe you could say a word or two about both the sources of what violence looks like now or violences across the region and how that's a bit different than what it was earlier with the same, with the notion of some of the patterns that are there, but also this community-based collective security. 
this is very much a part of, uh, I know, a wide red of organizations across the region. We've, we are hearing some of those voices from Alta Montaña to the localities of some of the communities that are making reference to what it feels like to be in the villages at this point. So how does collective security work across a region and across communities? It'd be interesting just to hear a few words about that and the sources of the, the threats as they're perceived from the territory. What we have been trying to, to research here is the continuities and discontinuities from what we're living now and suffering now with uh, the times of the, of the armed conflict. What we see is that now we're facing a fragmented macrocriminality phenomenon, which is in certain ways continuous with what we had in terms of armed groups in the past, and in some in, in some senses discontinuous with what we had in terms of violence in the past. So in what sense continuous? In the sense that I spoke about failures in the demobilization process of the paramilitary groups. Many of the mid-level paramilitaries remained in the territory and were not part of the transition of justice process and are now being recruited by this fragmented macrocriminality that revolves around illegal economies, notably drug trafficking, because we have this connection between the Magdalena River and the Caribbean. And also, there's a very interesting continuity, tragically interesting continuity. I always say interesting in political science, I tell my students, we, we face tragically interesting phenomena. And one of those is that what especially the young people with whom we work in the territories are telling us is that these new mafias, these new gangs that are not only exporting drugs, but also selling increasingly drugs to the people in the townships, in the rurality, etc., are recruiting young people from the communities who come back from the military service. Why these young people from these townships uh, in rural areas, etc., come back to the territories and they don't find opportunities of employment, opportunities of education, in part because the peace agreement has not been adequately implemented, in part because, as always, the democratic process is co-opted by corrupt clientelistic elites, and they come already trained and militarized, mentally militarized, like our society, like our culture, by the military service. So the gangs and the mafia give them a very good salary, a gun, a motorcycle, and that gives an account of the danger that young people are facing with these new faces of, of violence in the territory. So we come from a very intense civil conflict characterized in Montes de Maria by dramatic massacres, displacement, dispossession, murders, kidnappings, etc., to a much less intense violence characterized by this fragmented macrocriminality, which also displaces, also murders, but especially threatens, threatens community and threatens social leaders of the community. So in that context, the proposals of the 
regional space for peace building of, of Montes de María, espacio regional de construcción de paz de Montes de María, is let's stop doing security councils in the region with the commander of the police and the, and the army and the governor, to which we are not invited, after which they always say that they are going to do investigations and take uh, the steps that need to be taken. Let's have a more participative, a more participatory and more humane approach to security. There are a lot of early alert reports from the ombudsman office. Why not take into account those reports after the things that they alert happen? instead of doing it before the things that they alert happen. So that requires citizen participation in the procurement of a more collective and humane vision of security in the, in the territory. That is coupled with all the efforts of trying to do improbable dialogues and building these networks, spider webs of, of relationships within the territory, which is a continuous activity within Montes de Maria. This interacts with that as a new proposal to see if fear and stigmatization can be overwhelmed by the participation of the people in a more humane approach to security. Excellent, Pablo. We heard the voices of Geo Valdis earlier from Alta Montaña and from Juana Ruiz, who's in one of the efforts at these community levels expressing exactly that kind of fear and concern and the lack of uh, response. So this collective networked approach, I think, holds a great deal of both challenges and promise, which takes me over to Maria Lucia. You focused in on the ideas of how you have seen and what lessons we learn from a more transformative approach to these historic patterns, especially in a place like Montes de Maria. I wonder what you think both the challenges and opportunities are for you know the implementation of this peace agreement, but also how to do it in a way that really takes seriously the changes that it was proposing and not just a kind of a metaphoric understanding that it ends a it ends a you know a ceasefire to the armed groups it, this was really about a whole series of processes of change that Pablo was mentioning how do you see it from the research that you've done on conflict transformation in Colombia and in particular at the territorial level this more local level where the real gist of the agreement was focused to take place especially these years of implementation Thank you, John Paul and Angie, for organizing this podcast. And also thank you, the Croc Institute, uh, for the invitation. Uh, the Croc, I consider my home also. So it's uh, currently we are in uh, the middle of a national strike. Today is the seventh day of a national strike. And uh, today there will be a mass uh, mobilization. So if you hear the students and the you can say the people uh, marching and walking, I apologize, but that's uh, what Colombia is going on, what is going on right now. So Colombia signed one of the most progressive peace agreements, uh, which the world heralded as uh, very important and uh, progressive in many ways and unique. But we also know that it's not easy, the implementation phase. We know 
that as peace scholars, we know that violence will be a reaction that will happen. And uh, as Pablo mentioned before, the current government was more interested in shredding the, the peace accord and giving a lot of obstacles. What I found interesting is that despite the obstacles, such as uh, delaying uh, implementation of some of the agreements, or also not sending the resources, and of course, the most dramatic of all, that is the killing of social leaders or former uh, FARC combatants that are really following the agreement, like fulfilling the agreement. And perhaps another challenge and the most severe is that the sense of sadness, that the, there was this hope that finally we reach uh, uh, an agreement and, and it's not uh, being implemented as promised. However, what I found in, in Montes de Maria, in cases such as Montes de Maria, is the importance of how bottom-up, community-based peace-building initiatives can contribute and support and support peace and resist violence. This is not to romanticize the local, as many scholars would say, but it's just how this can be how can the local has a say, but also how can they be strategic? Mm -hmm. Montes de Maria, as Pablo mentioned, has a long history of violence, mainly because also it's a very strategic region in terms of the richness of the region, but also the location. Also, it's been a passage for drugs and arms, weapons, but also it's also very strong in terms of peace building. And Pablo mentioned the legacy of campesino movements, the legacy of resistance, and all of that can be shown in strong peace-building initiatives. There's, a, there's many examples, and Pablo mentioned the regional setting where different communities and organizations and individuals get together to discuss about current events in Montes de Maria, but also how to respond in a peaceful way. If we use the conflict transformation analysis, we can say, this is important because the regional setting managed to integrate people from different actors in the pyramid of leadership. And you can see people from the United Nations, from UNDP, I mean, from the national government organizations, from campesino movements, from women's uh, groups, for youth, all everybody talking about this building and how to respond to violence or violences that are happening in Montes de Maria. Just as a little story, we as scholars, we said, if you don't have the blessing of the regional setting, you cannot do peace work in Montes de Maria. Basically, it's a rite of passage just for you to present there and say what I am, you are going to do and how you, your work can contribute in peace building in the region. So there are different lessons learned here. It's just that for us as scholars, we don't go there and obtain information and just vacuum the information and that's it. You have to work with the community. And it's a lesson that we learn as scholars and we work together with the community. So we strengthen, it's a both way. Another lesson that I found is, is platforms. Just peace building is not just about people marching in the streets or people protesting. It is a careful threading of relationships and conversations and difficult conversations and taking risks and imaginations. And this you can see in, in Montes de Maria. Yes, you can see that they are concerned about security, development, health, education, but it's a 
invisible threat of relationships and exchange of knowledge, exchange of resources where, where peace building happens. It's not just networking for networking uh, sake. It's an intentional way of strengthening relationship. Uh, Ricardo Esquivia, a very important leader in the in, in peace building leader, he says, we have to add, not sus subtract or, or divide. And conversations and relationships take time and it's not easy. And perhaps sometimes you are discouraged, but still there is something happening there and it's important. So something that I struggle with my students sometimes is that they want to see change very fast. They believe that if they march, the government will yield. No. So you have to keep going and you have to, to have good relationships with your teachers, the dean, everybody. It's the, the way that it's happened. So this is a, and a final lesson that I learned is the, the issue of leadership. I know that in terms of peace building, it seems to be obvious, but believe it or not, the literature on leadership in peace building is very recent. And you find that there are many types of leadership, very shining like visible that they are in the news all the time or very subtle and silent. And all of them have lessons and a purpose and very intentional results. So this is something that we have to, to pay attention. And something that is very, very rich in Montes de Maria is that it's not one leader. I mean, there is a generational change. Youth are being prepared to be the next generation that will follow the older ones that are at this moment. So you will hear in this mm -hmm. podcast uh, Naun Alvarez, that he's a youth uh, leader that is very assertive, very intelligent, that is becoming like one of the, star, the stars mm -hmm. and yeah, leaders in this issue. I just want to, to highlight perhaps that in Colombia at this moment, all the voices are needed. We have a strong peace building initiatives and I know our community-based leaders and also uh, more NGO leaders are um, calling for peace, for peaceful resolve of the situation, and I, I'm hopeful that this will happen. Thank you, Ravalu. Let's build a bit on the idea that this is about a wider collective effort. I know, Angie, that you studied very carefully the both the rise of this movement, participated extensively with the Espacio that has, I, if I'm not mistaken, close to 300 organizations. And that in particular, you looked carefully at sort of the intergenerational and the youth component. What have been some of the key things that really make possible a network that covers that geography over that length of time in ways that really attend to what people are most concerned about during periods of actually a lot of difficulty economically as well as uh, increasingly the violence uh, that they experience in daily life. What were the things that you noticed about peace building that worked from this perspective of the region? Yeah, thank you for, I have so many thoughts listening to Pablo and Maria Lucia, and it's a rich conversation, and also to the words of Heobaldis and Juana, who opened um, the session. And I was thinking about the ways that Heobaldis situated this idea of garantias, which in English we would say guarantees or you know, security guarantees within a wider framework of both non-repetition of the violence and permanence in the territory. And I think that this attention to permanence is really at the heart of the, of the kind of social, relational, and environmental 
peace building work that is happening in Montes de Maria that is intergenerational or multi-generational, that is tied to creating kind of in the present, this future of dignified life. And that is really deeply then concerned not only with what that means for involvement of youth in these processes, but also how you might create a space where both youth and elders sit together. And so in, in Hale Valdis's kind of interventions, he really ties stitches together the direct kinds of threats like forced displacement and assassinations that Pablo mentioned with these kind of wider issues of arbitrary detention and incarceration of social leaders uh, that are being led by the state and the police, and the more subtle forms of forced displacement happening, for example, with teachers who are from the territory, who the government has removed their posts because they did not pass a, a kind of standardized test. And so that totally erases this sort of deep history of campesino intellectual tradition and wisdom and the permanence of those teachers in a place where who were really at the forefront of, you know, often the first ones to confront unarmed. Uh, they went unarmed to confront armed actors in the region, to place white flags in the schools, to create spaces where education could continue happening so that people like Naun, who today are kind of taking up the mantle of community-based peace building, always had a connection and a kind of nurturing space with these teachers. And these are the teachers who now have lost their post. And for Hale Valdis, this is not unrelated to the kind of direct threats or assassinations or dispossessions that are happening or the forms of state and police violence, you know, in the, in the form of, of incarceration. But it's actually rooted within an understanding of security that is tied to permanence. And for him in particular, this then also includes environmental care and environmental caretaking when a landscape has also been, and, and the land has also been sort of changed by this violence. And so one of the things that I've thought really frequently about is the ways that a kind of orientation towards permanence in the territory also shapes the kind of everyday social processes of peace building, not as a kind of, this is a means to a somehow a finite end, but that our work for peace is always actively ongoing. It's permanent. And so something like the regional space for peace building is not committed to sort of a final end project. What they're committed to is an ongoing and sustained process of dialogue that every single month, even throughout the pandemic, they've done this virtually, they meet together. And that's not with an end date in mind, that is itself the substance of, of peace unfolding. What I found repeatedly in, in my own research and what you can hear really easily if you listen closely to media accounts, scholars, but especially state and international institutions, is that when they talk about the ter territorial focus in the accords, it's almost always through the language of deficiency, that the territory is lacking, that the territory is defined by absence, state <laughs> absence, which is ridiculous because what we actually know from the history is a really deep form of militarization, which is a form of state presence. So there's an uneven form of state presence and absence that we need to pay attention to. And it situates the territory as somehow inherently violent rather than a space of resistance 
and kind of creative forms of uh, the pursuit of liberation, which mark the history of the territory in Heo Valdis's terms. And so if you shift that and listen to the words of Juana and Heo Valdis, what you hear over and again is that we have an installed capacity in the territory. We are bringing to you a collective proposal. We are inviting you to a national conversation. We are inviting you to start a pilot program that transforms and rethinks what we mean by security, that moves away from the everyday forms of militarization that have moved from times of war into the so-called times of peace. And that we see you know, in very blatant ways currently with the national strike that has been marked by excessive force and condemned by the UN um, and the EU for the excesses, excessive force being committed by the armed forces and by the police in particular. Here you have a territory that has endured generations of violence where a collective process that has been kind of stitched together for, for equally as long has already created a kind of platform and vision for what collective protection might look like. And it's there. And what deficiency narratives do is they erase that and they locate any kind of reform or any kind of transformation as kind of necessarily brought from the outside. And so this is, you know, really clearly in Heo Valdis's comments, peace is not something that is sent from Bogota. Peace is built from the territories. And I think that as we continue to think about what's happening with the national strike and how to both immediately de-escalate some of the violence that is occurring, but also what it means to, to really engage in a kind of transformative process of the, of the political uh, and social structures. What a territorial focus does, or what it ought to do from the vision of, of leaders in Montes de Maria is start from the territory and from these generations of, of peacebuilding processes that they've been carrying out. And then focus the gaze actually on the state institutions that require deep structural and institutional transformation in the ways that they relate and engage in the territory. And I think security is one place where that is you know, very abundantly present. No, it's fantastic. What I've heard is the, the use of the word stitching and threading, which of course picks up on part from Juana and the Mujeres de Mapuhan, who have a very strong metaphor, obviously, as people who stitch, tejadoras. But it's also true that across all three of you, it's easy to pick up this deep sense of territorial resource and long, hard struggle that has gained experience and has capacity to respond. And that needs to be visibilized rather than seen as an absence or invisibilized. It's also the region where Faust Borda came from. And much of the early work of participatory understandings of education and a focus on people's capacity for change, which only seems to be ever more what is needed if territorial approaches are to be given their due place as the foundation of durable change in these settings. So a word of appreciation to all three of you. I think this was an extraordinary uh, conversation. And of course, uh, weaving back to Heo Valdis and Juana's opening, that was speaking from their direct experience in some of the locations that are there. So thank you. Thank you, it was a pleasure.
Thank you very much. You've been listening to the CrocCast. Peace Studies Conversations convened by the University of Notre Dame's Croc Institute for International Peace Studies, part of the Keough School of Global Affairs. If you want to read the articles written by Aaron, Christina, and Liz and discussed in today's episode, you can find them at peacepolicy.nd.edu. For more episodes of the CrocCast, subscribe to our feed on Apple Podcasts, Google, TuneIn, Stitcher, or listen online at croc.nd.edu slash podcast. You can also rate and review our podcast, which will help more people to find our show. For more updates and stories from the Croc Institute, follow us online on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.